This is Matthias Horner, director of Warriors Gate, and you're listening to the Kung Fu Drive-In podcast. Welcome to the Kung Fu Drive-In podcast. Adjust your speaker box, sit back, relax, and remember, your Kung Fu may be good, but mine is better. Caught in the middle of the Sino-Japanese War, a quiet citizen of Foshan must choose to either watch everything he's ever known be destroyed, or turn on his own convictions and fight for his country, even if it could mean his death. Welcome to the Kung Fu Driving Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Vita, and in this episode, we learn about the man that taught the man, Bruce Lee himself, as we watch Ip Man. Ip Man is a 2008 Hong Kong semi-biographical film based on the life of Wing Chun Grandmaster Ip Man. The film focuses on events that supposedly took place in the city of Foshan during the Sino-Japanese War. It's directed by Wilson Yip and stars Donnie Yen as Ip Man, and martial arts choreography is by Sammo Hung. Now, for fans of Donnie Yen and Justin, one of the hosts of the Sushi Jackknife podcast, This Means You Now, this film is one of his signature roles, and it's easy to see why. He brings such a calm but fierce intensity to the role, and as far as action, Yen's amazing to watch. For me personally, though, I didn't become a fan of Donnie Yen until much later in his career. For me, the early 70s and 80s kung fu gave way to late 80s, early 90s American action movies, and Yen's big vehicles seemed to come out around then, and he just kind of got lost in the shuffle. I first saw him in Iron Monkey, which was made in 1993, and that led to seeking out more of his work, and really appreciating what he brought to the genre. Now, of course, I am all Team Chirrut, as Donnie takes on martial arts in the Star Wars universe with Rogue One, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what he's going to do with that character. The film opens up with a quick shot of Donnie Yen training against a wooden dummy, his hands are quick and they strike hard, and from there we move into the city of Foshan, the home of Wang Fei-Hung, whose legend is still strong in the context of this film. There's a celebration going on in the streets, and in the square are several members of different kung fu schools, and they're all kind of sizing each other up. We follow a loose kite on the wind as it settles in a tree of a stately manor in the country where Donnie Yen, as Ip Man, is having dinner with his family. Just as he's about to start eating, he gets a visit from a master, Lu. Lu's just opened up a kung fu school in town, and having heard of Ip Man's prowess in Wing Chun, has traveled to his home to challenge him. While not opposed to the idea, Master Yip chooses to have dinner instead and asks Lu to come back another time. But Master Lu says that he'd be happy to wait. So Master Yip invites Lu to dinner where they begin to get acquainted. After dinner, a young man scaled the tree outside to try and fetch his kite when he looks over to see Lu and Yip face off in an open room. Fight scene. Lu and Yip begin trading blows in a blazingly quick exchange, and it's mostly hand fighting, and where Lu advances aggressively, Yip, in contrast, is the picture of control. Donnie Yen effectively portrays the calm power of Wing Chun as he defends every strike and returns with enough firepower to send Lu flying. During a particular close quarter exchange, Yip lets fly a sick barrage of punches that are so fast he lands about a dozen punches in a second. Lu gets knocked back but charges ahead again only to be quickly disabled and thrown to the floor where he would normally be easy pickings for a quick knockout. Thanks for going easy on me. A humbled and somewhat grateful Master Lu leaves but he asks that this private fight be kept between them. Master Yip is more than happy to keep it to himself, but unfortunately for Master Lu, that kid in the tree witnessed the whole fight, and as one would, he's quick to share it with his buddies at the restaurant where he's supposed to be working. And as so often happens, the tale gets slightly exaggerated in parts. Right, whatever. He did it with one hand, okay? But Master Lu refused to give up, and Master Ip just kept chasing him. Bam, bam, bam! And then Master Lu got all angry and jumped at Master Ip like a hungry dog with rabies! (laughs) At that very restaurant, Yip sits down to a meeting with his friend Lee Chu. As they order, a waiter, the older brother of the kid in the tree, comes in and casually mentions that he heard about the fight that Yip had with Lu. Yip is clearly somewhat embarrassed, and the waiter leaves the two to their meal. But word travels very quickly through this town. 
At Master Lu's school, one of his students let slip that people are talking about Master Lu's defeat at the hands of Ip Man. When he learns that a kid named Wong at the local restaurant is sharing the news, an enraged Lu stomps over to address it. Meanwhile, Chu is trying to get Yip to partner with him on a cotton mill that he plans to open in Foshan. Yip isn't all that interested, as he's independently wealthy already and isn't particularly business-savvy anyway. Downstairs in the restaurant, a steaming Master Lu tracks down the kid and grabs him up by the collar. You ruined my reputation! Master, calm yourself! Lu is stopped from doing any serious damage, but the kid can't help but instigate him further. Master Ip is upstairs. Take it out on him! What? Go on! Lu does just that and charges up to confront Yip. Wong out races him up the stairs to ask Yip to tell everyone the truth. An embarrassed Master Lu tries to save face and silently pleads with Yip to help clear his reputation. Wong's brother Lin breaks things up by admonishing Wong as a nosy busybody and embarrasses him by yanking his pants down in front of the assembled crowd. Wong rushes off angrily as a cop arrives to try and settle the situation. You hooligans. You fight all the time. What age is this, huh? Age of Kung Fu? No, it's the age of guns! See? Guns! Guns, you see that? As he waves the gun in Master Yip's face, Yip grabs it and locks his finger against the trigger. The cop struggles to push back as Yip puts more pressure on, then flicks a finger against the barrel so it dislodges, and it goes flying, spilling the bullets all over the floor. The crowd gasps, but Master Yip calmly gathers the bullets on the barrel and diffuses any remaining tension in the room and disperses the crowd. Later, Yip officially declines Chu's offer to partner, but gives him some capital to get the business up and running. Chu also asks that Yip take on his son as his student, which Yip again politely declines, suggesting that any of the other schools in town would serve just as well. As they're walking out, Wong's brother Lin asks Master Yip to spar with him so he can show off some of his new moves from his Master Lu. The brother starts demonstrating some moves while talking about what they're supposed to do to the opponent. Master Yip easily counters every move and has some choice advice for the kid. This move attacks the mid-reds is really strong! Stop reciting theory and just hit your target. Off to the side, Yip's young son is busy drawing, and when he's done, he brings his masterpiece over to his father. And here we get an idea of some of Yip's flaws. Daddy, look! Hold on, I'm busy. The dejected kid goes back to his mom, who's clearly frustrated by what she just saw. When some observers yell out for a repeat, she snaps that all they do is fight and train. After everyone leaves, Yip confronts his wife, but she's got few words for him. Please, look at your son's drawing. Spend some more time with him, instead of playing with your buddies. The next morning, we're back in Foshan as a ruffian of a dude asks for directions to the nearest martial arts school. He and his cronies make their way there, where they confront one of the headmasters. Introducing himself as Jin, he explains that he's long wanted to practice with a martial artist from Foshan. But the headmaster knows better. You sure you mean practice? Yes. Don't you mean challenge? If you prefer. Fight scene. Jin here is played by Louis Fan, who we just talked about a few episodes ago because he played Ricky Ho in the story of Ricky. Fan's a bit older and gruffer than his Ricky days, and he plays this with much less camp, but just as much power and ferocity. The headmaster charges in and is met immediately by a thunderous set of punches and kicks that throws him back. Jin easily alternates between hand and leg fighting and uncorks a set of moves that drops the headmaster backwards, sets him upright again, only to drop him back in rapid succession. Clearly overwhelmed, the headmaster can't stop the barrage and winds up taking a fist to his temple that drops him to the ground in a bloody heap. The master of the adjacent school watches as his colleague goes down and makes eye contact with Jin, who is still thirsty for more. Fight scene. This headmaster presents a bladed staff, to which Jin responds by drawing his sword. The steel flashes all over the place as both fighters display some nifty moves. Jin continues with his overly aggressive and raw attack style, which is too much for the headmaster to handle. He gets thrown onto his back, and a cocky Jin stands on his chest and slaps his face with the blade, insulting the headmaster's skill. When Jin turns his attention to the next school, the students there quickly say that their master isn't in. Disgusted, Jin turns and stomps off. Back at the Yip household, Yip is trying to reconcile with his wife and son, only to find his son actively ignoring him. As they sit there, Wong's brother comes to the gate bearing the news that all the schools are being challenged and beaten by this roughneck Jin. 
He asks Master Yip to look into it when he can, to which Yip agrees. Fight scene. Back in town, Jin's now locked in battle with Master Lu in another brutally hard-hitting exchange. Jin wheels around and connects with a massive kick to Lu's face that prompts his students to coax him on. Another punch connects with Lu's shoulder, disabling his arm, and things start looking really grim for Lu. One final spinning kick launches Lu into the air and ends the fight with Jin only slightly less pissed than when he started. Damn it. Anyone in full Shan no Kung Fu? As the thugs are catching a meal in the village, bragging about their conquest, the waiter throws some cold water on all their boasts. Uh. <laughs> you think you're good because you've beaten up a few sissies? Wait till you beat the best. Hey! Hmm? Who's the best in Fu Shan? Ip Man, of course. With new resolve, Jin and his crew head over to Master Yip's home, where they kick in the gate and barge right in. Jin begins to explain that he wants to open a school of his own in Foshan and needs to demonstrate his might. Yip initially dismisses Jin and asks him to leave, but Jin presses him by insulting Wing Chun and taking shots at Yip's manliness because he lets his wife intercede in his own home, and somehow Wing Chun is a woman's martial art. Yip is perfectly fine to agree with his wife and toss them all out again when his wife shuts them all down. Shut up! Just don't break my things. The police arrive in time to usher the gathered throng outside of the house as Ip Man and Jin stare each other down. When the doors close behind them, Jin throws another insult and gets a sweet shutdown in return. I want to see it. I want to see how a man can fight like a woman does. Good kung fu doesn't depend on age or sex. It's on you. You'll understand that in a bit. What is the Potter family? Hey, y'all. It's Juliette Miranda from the Unwritable Rant Podcast. This is Michael Vasquez of the No Soundbites Allowed Podcast. I'm James Hatton. I'm Podcast Rob from the Something Something Cast. This is Knock from the Geek Over Podcast. This is Jeff with the Kung Fu Drive-In Podcast. This is Daniel from the Toe on the Trigger Podcast. This is Dave from the Parlapod Podcast. Hey, guys. This is Mike from the Mike Jolet Show. Woo! We're Josh and David from the Scotch and Flicks Podcast. We are you podcasters coming together in a community to help one another grow so follow us on twitter at potter family use the hashtag potter family in your tweets and retweet other people who do the same potter family where great podcasts come home fight scene now we get into an amazing fight scene with Louis Fan charging hard and all his cocksure aggro fervor and Donnie Yen keeping things contained and chill. There's a little wire work thrown in here, but nothing distracting as these two rip into the scenery and move like lightning all over the screen. Jin throws out a double flying kick and shatters one of the vases in the room, and the first sign of concern in this fight that we see from Ip Man is over this vase. He does a funny little double take as he's watching Jin advance, but is clearly distracted by the broken vase. Jin still moves forward with a sneer on his face, but understands what he has to do. Okay. Good. Of course, they continue to fight, and Jin breaks more stuff, offering to pay each time. And both fighters have to hold off when Master Yip's son tricycles his way through the room, warning them that his mom told them to stop fighting. When he's gone, Jin comes hard again, using the floor to spin his way inside. Master Yip easily counters and sidesteps, and when Jin draws close enough, he lets his fist fly again, landing another ridiculous number of punches to Jin's chest, then pops off a standing kick that sweeps across Jin's face, knocking him out cold. However, he's only out for a few minutes when his cronies help him up. He shakes it off and then charges at Master Yip again. This time, though, one of his buddies tosses a sword into the air behind him. Jin, without missing a step, swings around quickly, catches the blade in midair, and brings it down towards Yip. Still completely unfazed, Yip avoids the blade and even uses it to throw Jin around the room a bit. 
Master Yip grabs a bamboo feather duster from a nearby vase. Yes, a feather duster, and begins to work that thing into a beating. Jin's sword continues to miss its mark, but Yip works the feather duster all over Jin, even stuffing some feathers into his mouth at one point. Yip puts on the pressure, and if you watch closely, even cracks a tiny little smile at how badly he's beating Jin. But he disarms the swordsman and actually spanks him with the bamboo cane before pinning him to a wall and making him concede, which leads to the longest walk of shame ever for Jin. The next day, everyone in Foshan has heard about this little tussle, and all the townsfolk are giving Yip credit for saving the honor of their town. When Yip gets back to his home, a crowd's waiting, and only then does he hear from his friend Mr. Chu that he's apparently opening a kung fu school. This is news to Master Yip, and he's even more surprised by the chance of his name as he retreats back into his home. Now we get a sharp 180 as we cut to a few years later when the Japanese invasion of 1937 kicks off the Sino-Japanese War. The once thriving town of Foshan is now a rundown shell of itself. Bodies litter the streets, and the Japanese flag lies across heaps of stone and twisted metal. The once stately home of Ip Man has been taken over and turned to the Japanese Foshan HQ, while Yip and his family have been forced into a life of squalor at a local slum. Determined to provide for his family, Yip trades his pocket watch for a bag of rice and runs into his old friend Mr. Chu. Chu takes Yip to the cotton mill that he invested in several years earlier and offers Yip his stake in the business. Yip doesn't commit and instead rushes home where we learn that he's given up kung fu because all that extra effort requires extra food, which they're in short supply of. A little while later, when Yip's wife falls ill, Yip takes to the streets to find a job. He accepts some labor at the coal mines where he runs into Wang's brother Lin. They do some quick catch-up when some Japanese soldiers roll into the mine. The police officer, who had become a friend of Yip's, hops out of the jeep as he has since become a translator for the Japanese. He's got an offer for the miners. If any Chinese martial artist wants to show off their skill against Japanese karatekas, they can win a bag of rice for their trouble. This prompts several miners to sign up, including Lin. Yip, however, warns him to be careful, but it doesn't stop him. The hungry but willing punching bags head over to the Japanese camp and here they're led into an arena where there's already a match going on. Lin sees that it's his old teacher, Master Liu, and Liu's putting on a clinic against the karate man and gets to the point where he can throw him from the ring. The general, apparently a fan of blood sport in all forms, watches the proceedings intently, but he's not content to just watch. In fact, he gets onto the floor and insists on having three Chinese fighters take him on at once, and win or lose, they all get a bag of rice. Fight scene. The three fighters charge ahead, but the steely-eyed general pivots quickly and lands a hard kick into the first, followed by a quick flurry of punches, and then a split kick to take out the other two fighters. On the ground, two fighters concede and refuse to get up, but a prideful Lin pops up and charges ahead again. The general is quick and evasive, and Lin winds up with a mouthful of blood. Ready to walk away, the general turns his back, which Lin takes as an invite for more punishment. He charges again, only to take a massive kick to the chest that throws him back. We get to hear his hard labor, and beat more slowly, as it echoes and fades to silence. The next day at the mine, Yip is working alone when he happens upon a metal box belonging to Lin. No one at the mine has seen him recently when the translator rolls up again looking for more fighters. This time, Yip signs up himself. When he gets to the arena, Master Lu's fighting again and wins himself another bag of rice. The two exchange a quick glance as Lu turns and asks the general if he can fight three more guys. Fight scene. In a mirror image of the general's fight, Lu whirls around and lands some impressive blows against the three opponents. But things go horribly wrong from there when a coordinated attack from the three guys leaves him a bloodied mess. Lu concedes the match and backs away, and then in a shocking moment, takes a bullet to the back of the head from the general's lieutenant. From the sidelines, Yip seethes with rage. While the general is displeased with the actions taken, he still wants the fights to continue. This time, Yip is more than happy to step into the ring. Before he's allowed in, he finds out that Lin is also dead, and you can see the fire in Yip's eyes as he demands to be let inside to fight. Give me ten of them! Crazy? Please don't. I want to fight 10. Guys, this fight scene is intense. 
Donnie Yen plays this so cool and slick even when the punches and kicks are raining down all around him. The choreography of Sammo Hung really comes into play here and everything looks so good even though a 10-on-1 match would probably be over in seconds in the real world. Yes, we do get a little bit of the guys not involved in the main fight just standing back and kind of moving back and forth, but the action is so intense in the foreground that you totally buy it. As the fight moves, we can see Yip strategically take one guy out and use his body as a shield from everyone else coming in. He literally snaps one guy in half as he pulls his leg up way farther than it should go. The best moments are when he unleashes that flurry of peppering shots that are fired off like a machine gun. And for as large a fight as this is, it's over pretty quickly and Yip's still able to maintain the composure when he has every right to beat every one of these guys to death. The general is impressed and Yip earns himself 10 bags of rice, but he refuses it all, especially the general's request to return and fight again. Instead, he takes only Master Lu's blood-soaked bag of rice to his family. Now call me crazy, but I would have at least taken a clean, blood-free bag because after all, how do you eat that rice knowing that your meal is essentially rice and hot murder? The translator accompanies Yip to the Lu household where Yip slaps him silly and confronts him for his role in all the killings. The next day, a truck comes upon a roadblock and is besieged by a bunch of robbers led by none other than Jin himself. They sack the truck and drive it back to the owner who happens to be Mr. Chu. Jin tries to extort him, but when Chu replies that he has no money, Jin takes it out on his face. While he's beating Chu down, Chu's young son steps up to try and help his dad. He flexes an open Wing Chun fist, which Jin immediately recognizes. Wing Chun, eh? I hate Wing Chun! Don't hurt him! When the guys go back to work on Chu, the son runs over to Master Yip to bring him back to the mill. When he arrives, the thugs have gone, but Chu and the workers beg Yip to teach them all at least the basics of Kung Fu, so they can better defend themselves the next time. In peaceful times, it was fine if you refused to teach. But in these bad times, shouldn't you do something? We then get a short training montage of all of the factory workers in various states of training and practice. Men, women, and children of all ages are going through the Wing Chun moves and practicing them wherever they may be. Now, they don't look like a formidable fighting army, but... With the little help from Ip Man training, I'm pretty sure that even the toddler could take me out. Back at the Japanese arena, the general's itching for a fight with Master Yip, but our translator buddy isn't so keen on setting it up. He takes a beating for that and winds up dragging himself to Master Yip's anyway to deliver the request. Unfortunately, tailing him were some Japanese soldiers, and they pose a pretty big threat to Yip's wife and son. Probo! Sushi Jackknife is a weekly show about depressed children's characters, dead soul of my mother that lives in the moon, and uh, <laughs> an apathetic Jorge shook his head no and walked off. Christmas Tuba Man. You've been brought here on a mission of the most high import Tuba Man. Planets of Miserable Slugs. So on this giant slug planet, I can't get over this idea. Giant slug planet. I, I, I really, there's one musical slug, just one? Just one. Just one? Yeah. And do his song for me and he day? And he just... He only plays it to torment the other slug. Super bananas from the past. He's a super banana from the past. He's from the past. He went to the future, but he's from the past. Walmart haiku. At last, dreams come true. Bullets, hot pockets, nose spray. All in the same place. <laughs> Original games. Number two. Yes. Who said it? Garrison Keeler or Lil Wayne. Uh-huh. A girl in a bikini is like having a loaded pistol on your coffee table. There's nothing wrong with them, but it's hard to stop thinking about it. But that's Lil Wayne. No, dude. It's Garrison Keeler. Sushi Jackknife is over 50 episodes strong and as binge-worthy as The Vicar of Dibley. No one knows what that is. You're, you're right. I mean... No one knows. I mean, I know what it is. Is it, it necessary that people know what it is? Well, I mean, you just referenced an obscure British sitcom that no one watched. 
I mean, I watched it. You are literally the <laughs> the people on the show didn't watch it. Yeah. Anyway. The opening was a hymn. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like a lot of people know about hymns. No, but... I, no one cares. Okay. <laughs> well, if you want, if it like comes around, like listen to Sushi Jackknife. We're on iTunes and Stitcher and whatever like off of it. Yeah. Yeah. Fight scene. Or better put, a beatdown scene because Yip gives the lead Japanese guy two steps on a staircase before tripping him and knocking him out. He then moves on to the other two soldiers and they don't even have a chance to scream before Yip's all over them and they're left unconscious at his feet. The translator tries to usher Yip and his family out of there because now it's really not safe for them to be anywhere near there right now. Yip and his family quickly make their getaway while the translator gets some payback on the soldier who beat him up for not giving up Yip in the first place. I hope he enjoyed that because in the next scene we get a very visceral view of the translator taking a savage beating from the sadistic lieutenant of the general. After the beating, we find out that he's hiding the Yip family in a safe house, but Yip knows that they have to get further away. Meanwhile, at the factory the next day, Jin's return to see if they haven't been able to raise the funds to buy back their goods. The workers are ready this time, though, and they set up to defend themselves. Jin steps to Chu's son, and he moves to strike when Chu's boy extends a hand and pops Jin right in the throat. The entire factory gets into a big free-for-all against the robbers. It's raw brutality versus kung fu neophytes, but some of the workers hold their own for a bit. They don't need to hold on too long as from behind the crowd comes Master Yip himself, slicing through the thugs like butter. Even after they whip out their weapons, mostly axes and knives, he takes out most of the goon squad until only Jin is left with one other robber. But this robber happens to be the kid with the kite from earlier. Yip tries to discourage the kid from fighting, but Jin pushes ahead against Master Yip, who's acquired a staff that keeps a safe distance between him and Jin. After a few more clumsy attacks, Yip manages to upend Jin and pin the kid Wong to the wall. Jin calls for a quick retreat, but before Wong can hobble away, Yip confronts him with the news of his brother's death at the hands of the Japanese. He gives a metal tin that Lin was carrying to him, and when Wong opens it up, it's the kite that started this whole mess in the first place. Back at the safe house, the translator comes rushing in, warning Yip to not go back to the mill because the general's there looking for him. So, of course, Yip kisses his sleeping wife and son goodbye and heads out. At the mill, the Japanese are beating Mr. Chu and Yip arrives on the scene, ready to give himself up. The general demands that Yip teach the Japanese his style of kung fu. I won't teach them. You want to see me fight? I'll fight with you. They lead Yip away and lock him in a cell to await the fight. That evening, the general and his lieutenant have a secret meeting where the sadist is charged with a very serious job. If at any point it looks like the general is losing the fight, he's to shoot Yip dead. Later, the general himself brings Yip a plate of food and tries to play to his honor, but Yip is having none of it. You invaded our country. You killed our people. Cut the hypocrisy. The day of the fight arrives and is being held in the courtyard of the former Yip Manor. A crowd is gathered outside the barricades and inside we see that Yip's been threatened with death if he doesn't throw the fight for the general. Yip, of course, sits steely-eyed through it all, and then we follow him as he takes that long potentially final walk to the fight. As Yip steps up onto the makeshift stage, the general arises, and we get one final stare down. Final fight. This fight is so fantastic. The general leads off with a huge kick that Yip avoids, and from then on it becomes this absolutely electric display of hand-fighting speed and power. Yip manages the first strike, but the general is able to get in a few shots of his own. Donnie Yen gets to show off a lot of his balance and movement, while the actor that plays the general, Hiroyuki Ikeuchi, displays some brilliant karate moves, though in real life his martial art of choice is judo. As the fight moves on, Yip slips into his zone and we see more of the blinding, peppering hand strikes that do a number on the general. At one point, Yip calls back to his training on a wooden dummy, and every move is reflected against the general in devastating fashion. The bloody general can only rest back against a pole and take his beating until Yip throws a strike at his throat which would surely kill him but he holds back just enough 
to allow the general to slump to the ground a beaten man. The crowd cheers and begins the Ip Man chant again, but Master Yip is only concerned with finding his wife and child in the crowd. Behind him, the sadistic lieutenant has his hand on his holster, but watching him closely is the translator. Yip looks out over the crowd and spots his family, and as they lock eyes, a shot rings out and a bullet tears through Master Yip's chest just under his left collarbone. On stage, the translator is wrestling with the lieutenant and manages to wrangle the gun back up at the lieutenant's chin, where another shot rings out. This is Adam. And David. And Kylan. We are the Mike King's podcast, a podcast about... Kentucky life, games, movies, TV, pop culture, current events, news, things that trigger us, life stories, sex, and overall life as a millennial. Check us out on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher, and on Twitter, all at The Mike Kings. Give it a listen. I promise it's good. Master Yip falls from the stage as the hushed crowd suddenly springs to life and charges, defying the armed soldier stationed at the front of the stage. The crowd surrounds Yip and we see that he survived the wound and gets spirited away in a truck driven by Chu and now Wong. Yip escapes to Hong Kong with his family where he opens up a Wing Chun school of his own and accepts a student known as Bruce Lee. So all in all, a great action flick that earned a Best Film and Best Action Choreography Award at the 28th Hong Kong Film Awards. Also, it really showcases the depth and skill of Donnie Yen and has to date spawned three sequels, the latest of which features a fight with Mike Tyson which looks just bananas. We'll get to all of them eventually, and some of the Ant-Man movies are available on Netflix, but otherwise you can get through all the usual channels, so go check it out. In the meantime, I need to go through a long list of shoutouts to the Movie Pod Squad, which inexplicably has allowed me to be among their numbers. It's a great collection of movie-related podcasts started by the guys at the Cult 45 podcast, so big props to them. Shouts also go to Films and Swearing, John's Horror Corner, Video Negative, Epic Film Guys, Skip to the End, Movies Now and Then, Scotch and Flicks, Moviesaurus Rex, Popcorn with Candy, TCR Podcast, that's Tipsy Cinema Review, Movie Geek Cast, Via VHS, Cinephiles and Cenobites, VHS Life, Fix a Flick, Bad Movie Night, Fans on Patrol, Super Movie Brothers, A Beater Talks Film, Mexibro Movie Show, Alton Endings, Bud's Beers Brutality, Midnight Movie Nights, Movie Guys Podcast, Hydrate Level 4, A Movie Podcast, Cutaways Podcast, Don't Go Down That Road Podcast, more gooder than sudden double deep the boxers who spiked the puns large march sent us good times great movies flicks x-rayed on a free horrible podcast jay didn't save the day and basement condition Woo! and also a big shout out to the potter and family who's celebrating their anniversary this month and without whom i would have been encouraged to keep casting that's it for this week gang hit me up on twitter facebook or instagram and leave me an email at kungfudriving at gmail.com the holidays are fast approaching so enjoy them and be safe and until next time poison clan Peace. See the iron fisted bunk before the daily prayers Shouting bunks on the hands, running down the thousand stairs The fate of Lee Khan, now's in King Yu's hands With the fearless idea roaming over the land Yeah, the little bitch soldier is older and wiser He wants a world of peace because he doesn't want to fight you got the venom mob, let 
laying down the law Bruce Lee delivered kicks, guaranteed to great jars Fight for the cars, then pass, here the pass Not again, back kicks will defeat the outlaws Very good, but balls don't hit back Yeah, the death jewels here, Derek D is coming back The Tai Chi master, Jelly's even faster The child a little drink because he is the drunken master Once upon a time in China Rosamund Kwan is real fine, but see Maggie show his spine Golden Swallow has arrived Shang Chi movies will the hero will survive We've got the brave archer make his way to the top Of the mountain gonna fight, may as well pick the spot Yeah the sky goes black, cut the vampires back We've got Lam Jin Ying to kill them all to so stand back He plays the black magic on the soul of the sword And our sword will travel until his body's on floors Yeah, Wing Chun Shaolin and Mantis style Yeah defeat the enemy and watch him run for miles Blood will spill now on the mountain tops When we bring back the soul of the legendary pops Welcome to the tea house, belly for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting Ha! This time it's war We smash the place up with a dragon claws We're walking to the tea house, belly for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting Ha! This time it's war, we smash the place up with a dragon claw. See it's a game of death yo, you're facing the big boss It's once upon a time in China counting the TikTok The Shogun assassin slashing blood just drip drop The head kick, neck drop, balance the bone stop Wanna kill Bill, better get the assassins He's got Irma just in yellow but she is in the dragon But in the tea rooms, that's where it'll happen She got the bodies on the floor and the blood It'll splatter against the walls, no fear at all To kill them all, there's always blood spill When you head into a war, fearless Unleash the fist of legend that the car gently I'm Bolo Young, yo, I'll always be a beast You rumble in the Bronx, yo, I'm rumbling the streets And it's simple, see the facts are these It's only ever gonna be one Bruce Lee Welcome to the tea house, belly for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting Ha! This time it's war We smash the place up with a dragon claws We're walking to the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting Ha!